0: what's going on everybody welcome back to true north talk episode 41. this is your host joseph Staten. i'm with peter Burnett as always and today we're going to be talking about the story of samson and uh, there's a couple themes we're going to go into but the main theme of today's podcast is being wise about who you give your heart to and who you really trust in this life and that can be for friendships you know significant other relationships dating relationships but just in general being careful about who you give your heart to and it is interesting peter you know we just had this conversation prior to the podcast um about kind of some of those things and i it wasn't really on my heart that it related to directly to to this reading because when i told you initially about the plan for samson it was not on my mind at all but I, i think maybe that's the holy spirit kind of pulling some things out that are related to that conversation so i think a couple examples that we just spoke about probably will come up on this podcast but um yeah, any, any sort of uh, initial thoughts you want to give on the, on the story of Samson or background before we start reading?
1: Yeah, I think also a theme that I imagine we'll get into is how to navigate temptation and maybe even, in a sense, how to anticipate temptation, um, because I feel like that ties into to this as well. And we, we talked about, it, I think, on a recent episode, or maybe it was off the podcast, but I think it was in an episode about how temptation does not come from God. God can obviously use that temptation when we are able to overcome it to strengthen our relationship with him, but in the story of Samson we'll see that ultimately the the woman he chose most recently because I believe he had a a pretty pretty uh deep history with with different women and the the one in this story is probably a, a good depiction of how like you said we need to, to guard our hearts um and guard who we really give our our hearts in relationships to and really the the importance of those relationships being centered on god mm. but um if you had anything to add otherwise i can just add a few other kind of details about samson's upbringing and uh, like origins
0: Well, yeah, I do want to say something real quick. So, you know, talking about that theme of of screening of who you gave your heart to, it's something that I think, you know, as we grow older, we become more aware of that. And there are some examples that I'll get into, or at least one example. Um, But, you know, as you're when you're younger in life, it's it's really easy to not be aware of the fact that some human beings are not trustworthy and they're not worth giving your heart to in some ways. And when I say give your heart, I don't mean like, you know, fall in love with somebody. I mean like even just friendships because it takes a level Mm. of a vulnerability to grow friendships too. I mean, there's things that you have to share to, to have strong relationships. That's, you know, this, I think maybe you agree or not, Peter, but I think the strength of a friendship and a relationship in general is like, how well do you know each other and what are you willing to share without that person judging you? Um, I think that is like a really strong and important tenet of, of strong relationships and friendships. And early in life, you know, I think a, a lot of kids and when I was younger, I, you know, you just assume that everybody has the best intentions and that uh, you you assume that everybody is trustworthy and you give them the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes you learn the hard way that that's just not the case. And I, I think as you grow older, um, you learn that, you know, it is important to have a screening process of... Who is who should be in your close circle? And we've we've spoken about that at times, too, with with being wise and just who are you surrounding yourself with? But especially when it comes to guarding your heart, you know, you do have to be very careful and and screen those who you give your heart to. And we'll see how that was kind of the demise of Samson here to a certain extent. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on that that theme. Now, I don't. Did you mention that you wanted to give some more background on Samson?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's always good to to provide, especially for those maybe who aren't familiar with the story or maybe who just need a little bit of a refresher. I would, first of all, just echo all all that you just said there and say that, yeah, trust and a sense of controlled vulnerability, there is a sense of, even, even with somebody that you trust deeply, you know, you don't want to give every single last detail away because, Really, I feel like the only the only being that you are completely... And when, when I say this, I don't mean that you should intentionally hide stuff from really close friends or from family or from significant others, but there's, there's certain things that sometimes you hold a little bit closer to your chest, but ultimately, with God, we should communicate everything. And again, it, it's something that comes with time with friends where you do end up sharing a lot more than you maybe would have thought when you first became friends with that person or first, you know, started dating that person. But yeah, I I think trust is is such a key component of, of every great friendship and every relationship really. Yeah.
0: And it's, like I said, it's, I think it really comes down to observing one's character over time and uh, Mm. a couple examples in my life where I've experienced, you know, a, a breach of trust or, just any sort of betrayal with relationships it's it's ultimately because at the beginning or or just throughout the stages of that friendship you know the work was not done and the screening was not done and say is this a person that really deserves my trust you know are, are they a person of character are they a person of integrity um and when you don't do that screening then it's not surprising when some of those things happen but as i said you know when you're younger you don't necessarily understand that but i think a lot of people too when they're older they don't really learn that lesson because maybe either one They've been guarded, and they've never they've never been through that situation before. So they still have that understanding that, you know, everybody deserves the benefit of the doubt. Uh, maybe you just never been through that before. That's that's one reason. But another reason is is not being wise and learning from your mistakes and continually putting your trust in the wrong type of people. And that's what you hear with uh, I've heard that a lot with like dating, especially. You know, people say, "Oh, I just seem to attract the wrong people. I just I can never find somebody that's good," and it's because. You know, you don't learn from those past experiences and learn like, OK, you know, if somebody mistreats me, what was the cause of it? It was more than likely was because their relationship with God was not strong and their heart was not sold out for God and for the Lord. And and when you don't do that, that initial work, then it allows for that opportunity, you know, for, you know, uh, just a I, I guess what I don't know what you would call it, but just like a, a character failure is because, hmm. You didn't do that uh, screening process. And that's, again, that's what you'll see with Samson here. So if you want to give some more background on Samson before we read this, I think it would be helpful.
1: Yeah, of course. And just one final comment on, on what we talked about kind of to open this episode. Jesus Jesus himself said in in the Gospels to have childlike faith to God because it's, like you said, you kind of don't really understand the concept of trust and mistrust you just kind of instinctually trust really everybody when you're when you're a child. And that can come back to bite you when it comes to human relationships. But at the end of the day, the one relationship that does not let us down is the one that we have with God. And so my my kind of takeaway from that initial part of, of this podcast and my encouragement to to both of us and to to all of you listening to this episode is to have childlike faith in God and know that it isn't a misplaced or misguided trust. It is a true faith, and it's something that will get you through through challenges in life because you know that God will be there for you. Yeah. And so, I mean, really kind of, like, I feel like that kind of segues into why God brought Samson about for the Israelite people. We'll be reading from Judges 16 today. And the, the whole book of Judges is really a picture of a, I would say, effectively a generational cycle in which the Israelites would fall away from God. They would fall into sin and, and trouble and turmoil and often be under the oppression or just imperfect leadership of other peoples or other nations around them. And then God would send basically a a deliverer in the sense, obviously not to the sense of being like a full Messiah, which is what Jesus was, um, at least from sins, not not in the Messiah sense that some people thought. But um, I'm just trying to look through here, maybe some of the stories that, that stand out before. There's Deborah, there's Gideon, uh, who is kind of more of like a military leader. Those are some of the stories that are before and then Abimelech is another story, but I would encourage everybody listening to go through and read. I mean, if when, when you have the time, go through the first fifteen chapters of Judges. Um, but picking up in chapter thirteen is when we get a glimpse into the birth of Samson. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out one or maybe two quick verses here that show what God intended for Samson and some of the commands that he was uh, instructed to follow. So, picking up here, Judges 13, verse 2. A certain man of Zora named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to, see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you, you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, Because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so that there provides the picture of this command. And I think another one was to never touch a dead animal and to avoid wine. And then also the one that we'll see in the story of Samson and Delilah in chapter 16, to never cut his hair. And so that's a little bit of background. Some of the, In chapters 14 and 15, there's a couple of, of stories about, about Samson 14. He did um, touch, touch a, a dead animal to draw honey out of a lion's carcass. And then in chapter 15, he uses a donkey's jawbone to kill a thousand men. So mm-hmm. that shows the, the power and strength that he had as well.
0: Yeah. And kind of from the beginning there, we see the importance place on the hair, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And I wonder, too, what the connection is with uh, the Nazarites and the hair. I do. I feel like I've studied that before, but
1: that was basically the Nazarites had to follow the the commands that I just laid out, which were to not cut your hair, to not not drink wine or fermented drink and to not touch a dead body. There might have been other tenants, but those are the three main ones.
0: Yeah. So, and and we'll see the significance of that um, that rule, I guess you could say, or tradition here in this story here when we're reading in uh, Judges sixteen. But um, yeah, I think that's that's some good background here. And um, I don't know, I don't have any extra thoughts on that. So I'd just probably start to like re- like to start reading sixteen, Peter. Unless you have anything else.
1: Yeah. I mean, just real quick, if if you wanted to take that. Uh, it says at the end of 15, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So he was firmly established as a leader by the time we get to this story.
0: Right. And um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and start in 16. So Judges sixteen one. Samson went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute and he went, he went into her. The Gazites were told Samson has come here and they surrounded the place and set ambush for him all night at the gate of the city they kept quiet all night saying let us wait till the light of the morning then we will kill him but samson lay till midnight and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up bar and all and put them on his shoulders <clears throat> and he carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of hebron after this he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was delilah and the lords of the philistines came up to her and said to her seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him And we will give each uh, and we will and we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound. That one could subdue you. Uh, Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bow strings uh, that have been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. But then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bow strings that had not been dried and she bound him with them. Uh, now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps, uh, when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. So first of all, Peter, I'm going to ask you based on this, um, are you noticing any early issues with Samson's judgment and, uh, decisions here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the verse verse 1 is a pretty pretty clear picture picture of that. He was
0: He saw a what?
1: A a, a prostitute. That mm. that right there is a is a word that we know as something that is against God's plan for for humans to to engage in. And Samson was a notorious womanizer as well who was engaged in sexual activity outside of outside of his, his marriage. And and I will say during this time, having multiple marriages was something that was more common, but we see here that he is again, engaging in sexual activity outside of his marriage. So that is a, a major red flag, first of all. And then, you know, we, we get a picture again into his strength as well, but yeah, I would say the falling into the temptation of a, a sinful woman, I guess we'll, we'll say.
0: Yeah. And just the lack of judgment and that's, we're not saying that, um, we're definitely not saying that you can't, you can't be redeemed, right? If you're a prostitute, of like course. anybody can be redeemed, but seemingly Samson chooses to entertain a, a prostitute who has not been redeemed, who has not repented of her behavior, uh, clearly because we know that when it says, let's see. Uh, when the philistines came up to her and said seduce him right like any woman who would willingly seduce another man is i don't think is in spiritually the right place (laughs) so yeah that is that is an issue so i mean right there um as i was saying at the beginning of the show it's like what decisions are we making early on that could prevent some of these issues down the road i think that's number one right there be wise about your screening process Moving on to verse 10. uh, Then Delilah said to Samson, behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So he says, new ropes that have not been used, then I'll be weak. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said, bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Uh, So again, he lied to her again which I don't know. Why do you think Samson lied here? Like, what do you think he was doing? Do you think he was, he was lying out of a, uh, you know, prolonging of his time with his prostitute? Was he trying to buy more time with her and spend more time with her?
1: I think that's a possibility. Another thing is he obviously was, you know, I, I believe in, instructed as part of it to, to, you know, as part of the Nazarite vows to not let, anybody know what the source of his strength was so I feel like it would be kind of a combination of the two of wanting to prolong the relationship and you know the the one thing I'm kind of getting getting out of this right here is having discernment about what somebody's motives are is difficult to do especially when you're enthralled with that person and whether it is here a, a relationship of, of love with 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 a woman, or even if it, it is you know a, a friend who you feel like you can trust, it's sometimes hard to pick out the motives of people. And sometimes, I mean, to 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 me, looking at this story, it seems to me I'm I'm thinking in my head, Samson, what are you doing? Why are you even entertaining this woman when she's clearly trying to, you know, take advantage of you? but i think then a way to look at that from a different angle is he was so in love with delilah that he did not see what she was trying to do and so i think my my takeaway so far and maybe we'll dive into this a little bit more in a bit but you know be be locked locked in with with god and ask him continually for wisdom and discernment with you know, the people that you're around, the relationships that you form.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting perspective. And I think it's accurate. Um, and I'm curious, too. Um, so Samson was in love with Delilah. Right. And he was. I'm not even sure that he didn't see some of these things, honestly. Like, I, I do think there's some some weight to what what you're saying with him as well. But I do think like even if Samson knew what her intentions were i don't think he really cared ultimately because if he's entertaining a prostitute like there's probably a very short list of reasons why he's doing that you know mm-hmm. as a man and but it just to just to entertain that perspective that you just offered for Samson specifically um what do you think like in Samson's position what could he have done to um if he was blinded by that love, what could he have done to correct that, uh, those decisions and correct his view?
1: I mean, I think it's, again, it's easier said than done, but asking a simple question, like why, why are you asking for, for these reasons? You know, he didn't even, he didn't even really check with her why, why she wanted to know these things. And so I think a simple question of why do you, why do you want to know these things would have maybe, solve some of the some of the problems that that came down the road
0: mm. yeah I, mean, I guess if he was fearful of that then he, he wouldn't have asked but right interesting interesting so okay he tore the ropes off do you want to read at all 13 through um maybe 13 through 18 or 17
1: yeah i could pick that up delilah then said to samson all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me tell me how you can be tied He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pin. Again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become weak as any other man. Mm.
0: What do you think about that manipulation there she said how can you say i love you when your heart is not with me you have mocked me these three times like (laughs) isn't that incredible considering her motives
1: yeah and and i think it's it's a good picture of how to decipher when somebody's motives are selfish and self-serving because uh, you know I, i imagine it doesn't really say here you know the Philist. No, it, it, she is. She is offered a, a specific reward. Each one of us will give you eleven hundred shekels of silver, and so she's really doing this not for for love or for a mutual relationship with Samson. And, and maybe maybe she did develop feelings for him. I'm sure she did in some sense. But really, what what she's going after here is that is that money that she was offered from the Philistines and. So I think, like you said, that manipulation and understanding the full scope and context of this story shows a picture and an example of manipulative behavior and when somebody is going after their own selfish gain rather than, you know, what a relationship should be, which is, yeah, there there will be sides of it that, that benefit you, obviously. You don't want it to be a one-sided relationship where you're only trying to benefit the, o- the other person, but it's... I think it's selfless and it's not selfish at the same time but it is understanding that for a relationship to be healthy you need to be you know equal together you can't be I mean the Bible itself says do not be unequivocally yoked and with with that and with God at the center of a relationship that is what relationships should look like and this is this story is a pretty clear picture of what relationships should not look like.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, um, I just, again, I, I want to go back to the initial, the initial point here, because it's not like Samson didn't have any warning signs. You know, there was mm-hmm. clearly at the beginning, if you're going to engage with a prostitute and then he says, by the way, you know, we're, we're having to make ex- assumptions here, but mm-hmm. you know, imagine imaginatively or, um, Assumingly, assumedly, however you want to say that, we can assume that um, she, she was still engaging in this behavior. And then Samson says, I love you. I mean, you're, you're giving your heart to a prostitute that is actively engaging in that behavior. That's the warning sign. And yeah, I just...
1: just, just I, I, I do just want to clear up. I'm not 100% sure if Delilah specifically was a prostitute because that... I think it's referring to a different person when it says verse one where he saw a prostitute and spent the night. But it is it is possible that Delilah, while maybe not a prostitute by trade, was was it's, I think, pretty evident here that she did engage in that somewhat.
0: Well, and then, well, you have to measure. OK, so even if Delilah, Delilah was not the prostitute being referred to, um, what kind of woman would mm-hmm. uh, accept the, the mission from the Philistines to seduce a man? um, and do those types of things. And I think to me that says, even if she's not even technically a prostitute, that's, that's kind of prostitute esque behavior. So true. Um, doing a
1: yeah, doing something for, for financial gain. I do, I do agree with that. Yeah.
0: Right. Giving away that part of you for, for money. It's, mm-hmm. that's yep. pretty much the definition of prostitution. So, um, true. yeah, good point. Okay. So did you read
1: 18? Um, I did not. Yeah. Right through 17. I'll
0: just pick up there. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, come up again for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and she called a man that had, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the philistines seized him and had gouged his eyes gouged out his eyes and brought him down to gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill uh, in the prison but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved uh, okay now the lords of the philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to dagon their god and to rejoice and they said our god has given samson our enemy into our hand and when the people saw him they praised their god For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which this house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained um what is he doing entertaining wise, do you know?
1: Um, I would imagine almost what I'm what I have pictured when I've read this story before and I'm picturing again here is almost like I would say kind of two things, both a trophy, like this this person, like like they said, has tormented us and laid waste to our land and killed many of us. And so like a, a mockery, like, look, look how low he has fallen now. And at the same time, it's almost like a, a zoo type spectacle, you know, looking at a man of, of great strength who has been reduced to this and just kind of putting him on display. So that, that's what I think probably their, their motives are here. Just again, that, that humiliation of someone who had caused great trouble for for them, for the Philistines.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I I don't want to tie any, make any, um, totally unrelated or, uh, just modern references, but it does remind me of Trump being arraigned in New York city. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I think that's how, uh, a lot of the, the Democrats viewed him was like, this man has tormented us. And then they, they brought him in and arraigned him. But anyways, yeah, I
1: can see that. That's a funny,
0: funny, uh, parallel there. Right. what do you think about the hair? Why do you think the Lord left him when they cut his hair?
1: Because that was a command that he was given to follow and he fell short. The The one thing I will say, and there's a process to this, God did not leave him permanently. And I think that's something that's encouraging for us as well is when we sin, because that's, that's what Samson did here when we, you know, fail to live up with God's standard which obviously all of us do because all of sin and fall short of the glory of God if we have a trust and a depending on God even when we mess up he will come back to us as we see in this story but again it was it was God's way of basically you know in life we have consequences for the sins that we that we do um, you know there's, there's a lot of different examples that you could look to if it's you know, a, a sin like drunkenness or, or even or gluttony, we, we see the consequences of those by the health of our bodies or strained relationships, strained mental health. If it's something like sex outside of marriage or pornography, we see that affect, you know, eventually relationships down the road with, with spouses. And that's on a bigger topic why we see so many divorces in, the, in that, that sexual sin realm. Um, and there, again there's a host of other examples I feel like those are the two most like striking sins that, that stand out that because a sin like you know murder or something like that is big big picture and I feel like it's easy for us to say oh that's that's something that I haven't and wouldn't do so don't need to talk about that one but it's it's the sins like the drunkenness or engaging in sexual sins those are the two that you know, you know all all people really at some point i would say fall into and again when you when you fall into those there are consequences That's, but if um, you repent then you you know the the spirit of god is still inside of you
0: such an interesting topic right because you know the the whole <laughs> when you hear christians say like people who claim they're christians like well they use their relationship with God as an excuse to just do whatever they want and then just repent like, yep. Oh, I can just do whatever I want and, and ask for forgiveness and I'll be forgiven. You know? Yes. But the the reality is there are consequences for sin. And you know, I, I don't know, this is, this is maybe not the best like episode theme or topic to, to talk about this, but it is something that I feel like a lot of men and, and Christian men in society they assume that they can just, um, get away with. And that is pornography. And I think, mm-hmm. um, it's so prevalent in the church. This is something I realized I was having a conversation with a friend of mine from my church who I admire and a very wise man and somebody I highly respect. And, um, just talking about this, uh, this topic and, and realizing like, this is really prevalent in the church and, and more than you'd think. And, um, for a woman who loves the Lord with all her heart for all the young men out there that might be listening to this, you know, if you think like, Oh, well I'm single and I'm not out here having premarital sex. So that's an excuse to, to use pornography. Just know that eventually if you don't cut that sin out, that when you find a woman who does, who does love the Lord, that is going to deeply bother her. And it's, it's going to raise some, some questions about your character. It's going to raise some red flags for her. If she, if she really takes that serious with the Lord that's now, is that saying there's no redemption? no, Is that saying that she can't overlook that and and move past it? No, but it is something that, you know, with relationships, um, in order to set up a very successful and sound relationship, you need honesty from the very beginning. Um, and that's probably a question that, uh, that your spouse is going to ask you is, have you engaged in that? And, And if you want to answer honestly and keep your conscience clear, which is what you need to do, um, you want to be able to say, you know, if you have used that or struggled with that in the past, you need you what you want to say is well i used to struggle with this in the past but it's been out of my life for this amount of time and i have mm-hmm. made the decision uh to cut that out completely and i just it's you know you don't realize until you're in that position and sometimes it's like so easy to, to excuse that behavior because you think well who knows when i'm going to get married and that's this is better than like out there actually engaging but really it's not because As I said, you know, a woman who does love the Lord is going to have a severe issue with that, as she should, you know, as she should. There's really no excuse for that. Um, if you're a godly man. Um you know, it it directly conflicts with what the word instructs us to do. And as easy and as tempting as it might be, it is it is something that does need to be cut out of our lives completely. And um, I, as many things go, you know, Peter, you, you're familiar and, and very, very familiar with the, the people who say, oh, I just, I don't have time to get in the gym. I don't have time. I, I can't change my diet. It's so hard. You know,
1: hmm.
0: it's so easy to eat junk food. It's all around me. It's the same thing. You're making excuses. Like at a certain point, you just have to make a decision, uh, to stop. And that really goes for all sin. Yep. Any sin we struggle with, it's so easy it really is simple and easy to cut that sin and, and it's and this is the answer this is what you do you stop doing it you stop doing yep. it completely you cut it out it's gonna be difficult just as it's gonna be difficult to start working out at the beginning it's gonna be difficult to start eating healthy at the beginning it's gonna be difficult to you know start getting good sleep every night at the beginning but all these habits their habits they their virtues right virtue requires effort
1: hmm.
0: virtue requires effort and even looking at the story of Samson here he set himself up for failure because he didn't learn this lesson the first time around you know, he, as you said, you know, has struggles, had struggles sexually and, and it bit him in the butt, um, because he did not learn from those past mistakes and he didn't make that effort to change. Um, and as I said, you know, is it, is it going to be one of those things where there's no redemption and like, Oh, you're not a Christian? No, but it's going to cause you issues. And there are real world consequences for sin, even if we're forgiven. So the, the to bring this all back around for those people who say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm forgiven. I can be forgiven. Even if I continue to slip up, sure, you might be forgiven, but how is that going to bear fruit in your life in the future? What, what kind of fruit is that going to bear in your life? It's not going to be good. So again, I, this is maybe not the the most, um, well, in some ways I think it does, it definitely does relate to what we're reading, but, um, I just, I think it's so important for especially young men to understand that, like, while you're single. And even for women, you know, women have other struggles with sin. Um, but the, the time of singleness is a time to refine your character and to refine who you are and to prepare yourself for a spouse if you desire marriage. Um, so it's so important to cut out those egregious sins now so that when you when that is on the horizon, when God leads a, a godly person into your life that you can potentially marry, that, that's not a, an issue that you have to deal with and that ugly feeling of, of shame and, and remorse and guilt, um, will be free from you. So I don't, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that, Peter, but I'd, I really wanted to get that message across for our listeners.
1: No, that, that was excellently said. Um, you know, one thing that I want to add, I think, cause it does tie into this story is that temptation and how sometimes maybe it seems innocent at first. And Samson, Samson also here kind of backed up one sin, which was this seduction you know, for selfish gain by Delilah with, with his own sin. And it's a little bit tougher to navigate this one because, you know, you talk about lying. And in this case, I, I would almost – before I finish that thought, I guess, would, would you say this is a case where lying would be, quote-unquote, okay, or what, what would you say? Because I'm kind of struggling with that. And then, then I did have something else to add. But when you say
0: lying is okay, which one are you specifically referring to?
1: Well, where, where Delilah is asking what is the source of your strength, and he's giving these false answers, but it's something that he was instructed to you know, protect and not not make known.
0: Well, I think the intention of his heart is pure in the, in, in the mm-hmm. sense of protecting you know, what really is his source of strength with which the Lord gave him, but was his outlet of doing that the best way to do it. No, I mean, lying is still a sin. It's still wrong. Um, I think a proper response from Samson could have been, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that it's, it's none mm-hmm. of your business. It's, of your, it's, yeah. it's not relevant for you. It's, it's something I hold dear to my heart. Something the Lord has, has blessed me with and given me. I'm not going to re- reveal that to you. Um, yep. but I think the intentions of his heart were pure, but it was still sinful to lie. So that's, yeah, that's what I would say to that. Well said.
1: Yeah. And then something, something that I thought of as well, um, because lying is one of those, quote unquote, like small sins that we all like quickly excuse. And what I would say to what you were saying earlier about, you know, people who just excuse sins and be like, oh, God's going to forgive me. Honestly, my belief is that those people are not truly saved because they do not have the spirit of repentance that as Christians we need to have right I, I believe that you don't fully believe in in God and in the perfect life of His Son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection. Like you can believe that, but without a spirit of repentance, I don't believe that you are truly saved. And so just on on that point, if if you find yourself, you know making excuses for the sins that you do, I would encourage you strongly encourage you to to correct that and to know that repentance is is really the the key part of of the process of being saved. And then I did have one more thing on the like I guess temptation and sexual immorality side of this and it's a passage from Proverbs about um, some some words from Solomon who himself was had you know hundreds if not maybe like a thousand wives and concubines I think it was some some ridiculous number like 300 wives and 700 concubines or something like that and so somebody who who like Samson dealt with those you know sexual sins says this in Proverbs 5 my son, Pay attention to my wisdom, turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then my sons listen to me do not turn aside from what i say keep to a path far from her do not go near the door of her house lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel lest strangers feast on your wealth and you your toil enrich the house of another at the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent you will say how i hated discipline how my heart spurned correction i would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think a good
1: addition to that scripture and really
0: just what we're reading here is we can talk about like, you know, the mistakes Samson made and and the prostitute and the, the non-virtuous woman, like you were just reading kind of, and, uh, what to avoid. But I think also it's important to know what to look for. And something actually, (laughs) again, it's, it's funny how the Holy spirit moves and, and, um, you know, reveals things because uh, my girlfriend Sarah and I were reading through this um, this kind of like Bible study plan together and today our scripture was in Proverbs 31, which is like you know, the wife of noble character and what you mm-hmm. should look for and just, boom just so happens to align with our study today in True North Talk and I think it's interesting too like um, Peter and I kind of switched up our plan today with this Bible study um, and what we're talking about today, we were initially planning on talking about the extra biblical, uh, proof for Jesus, you know, following the resurrection. But I, I just feel like the Holy spirit kind of put it on my heart to, to read about the story of Samson. And I can I can honestly say it was not out of motivation to tie it into anything I was previously reading or praying on. I just feel like it was the Holy spirit, but, um, all that to say the things we should look, look for Proverbs thirty one ten a wife of noble character who can find she is far she is worth far more than rubies her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value she brings him good not harm all the days of her life she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar she gets up while it is still night she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants she considers it she considers a field and buys it out of her earnings she plants a vineyard She sets about her work vigorously, and her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff, and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. And supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And first of all, just what a beautiful passage, you know, that image. Perfect picture. picture. And I mean, wow. I don't don't, just wow. That's all I'm going to say. But um, yeah,
1: there isn't there's really anything to add. I think if if you're in a spot where you're maybe struggling to. I don't know if we mentioned this on the episode, but just kind of a comment that that you made earlier, Joe, which is you know people who ask themselves why can't I find, you know the the right woman, or if you are a woman listening to this podcast, why can't I find the right man? And and I think for those of us men who are asking ourselves this question, that question, this is a a perfect passage to kind of answer if what what we're looking for is is God's intention or not. Mm. And so I think this is a perfect passage to show what God considers valuable and what we should be looking for, not for, I mean, I I think especially verse verse 30 and 31 really sum it up perfectly and provide a picture of what a lot of people look for. In the first part of verse 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Charm and, and beauty are two things that we as men are first drawn to. Um, but but it says here, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Again, I think those two verses and the rest of it is is perfect as kind of a full story. But really to, to sum up the whole passage that you read, Joe, I think those two verses, again, Proverbs 30, 30. Chap, chap, Proverbs 30, 30 Sorry, Proverbs thirty one verses thirty and thirty one are perfect uh, picture of of what what we should look for.
0: Yeah, and um, it's not to say charm is a negative thing. I mean, charm is is something that is uh, it's good, you know, to be charming. It's something that I actually enjoy being. Sometimes as charming. I try to try to be kind of charming, <laughs> but um, you know, it's this is like the antidote, and this is. You know, this is what I like doing is if we're going to read a story like this, you know, the story of Samson, it's kind of like, it's like, come on, man. Like, what were you doing? You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like disappointing in, in some ways for Samson. But I, I think always when you're looking at something like that, you want to like counter that with like the right way of doing things. Um, and as you say, you know, part of the screening process with being wise of who you trust and give your heart to, um, right here, verse 11, Proverbs 31, 11. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And something that I, I think is important for all of us to consider, whether it's women or men, when you're when you're pursuing a relationship, um, specifically, you know, wife and husband relationship, is how does your spouse react when you um, tell them things or when you ask them hard questions? You know, is it is it a spirit of like Delilah where she was um, getting angry with Samson and and saying uh, what she say behold you have mocked me and told me lies please tell me how you might be bound Um, and and just a spirit of frustration and impatience or or uh, pride or is it one of humility and empathy and understanding and uh, another scripture I think is relevant here regarding this topic is light and darkness um, from first John and kind of what, Peter, what you were saying about the people who lie. Well, they do lie. But when they say, oh, I'll just keep getting forgiven, so it's not a big deal. I just always reference First John because it's what, it's, it's what God tells us about that idea. And it says, um, let's see. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare it unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Shout out to uh, 11th grade Bible class with Miss McCrill. <laughs> if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness. See that? If we claim to have fellowship with jesus and walk in darkness we lie and do not live out the truth Hmm. if we walk but if we walk in the light if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son purifies us from all sin so if we're walking in darkness we make him a liar um if we continue to sin after knowing our sin of course, we're gonna have you know occasional mistakes. The process of sanctification though, it requires us to improve in our walk. It requires us to be, to become more like Christ. Um, and if we're fully aware of an area of our lives that is a really seriously bad area and we have no effort to improve and we're continually excusing that, then uh, maybe we should call into question if we're really sold out for Christ. Because um, he himself tells us here that that's not the case. But again, relating that to what I was saying about a wife or a husband, do they walk in the light? you know, what are their fruits? You'll know them by their fruits. Um, and it's something, you know, I told you earlier in this episode, maybe we'll bring up some of these examples, but, uh, I was sharing with Peter, you know, when I was younger, I, I had a friendship when I was about 10 years old, that I, I made a friend when I was like 10 and this person and I was, were pretty close over the years. We hung out all the time. And, uh, essentially what happened was we got into high school and I was about 16 or 17 and was uh, talking to this girl and he was hanging around with her with me. And, uh, the situation just didn't work out with me and this girl. Like we just, you know, for whatever reason it didn't work out. And then afterward, uh, seemingly my friend kind of sowed some seeds of distrust or, or whatever with me and her. And then right afterward tried to swoop in and, and get with this girl, uh, that had, you know, not left the best. She had not left the best, uh, taste in my mouth. And it was really, you know, a feeling of betrayal in some ways, but I can look at that friendship and, and ask myself, you know, was that friendship rooted in Christ? And did we really sh- share character and values and integrity? And the answer is no. The answer is no. In fact, we had many conversations over those years in which it was like, you know, he was like, we, we acknowledge several times, like we're so different. That's, you know, that's kind of why we're friends that we are so different, but it wasn't different in a good way. It was, a, it was different in a lot of ways because of he was a worldly person. I was not a worldly person. Um, and tying that all to this episode and what we read today and we're reading is, you know, you have to look at the fruit of somebody's life. Are they walking in light? Are they walking in darkness? If they walk in darkness, you know what to expect from them. They don't have, you know, the heart of God is not the heart of of man. And if you're walking with men, there are worldly men or women, and they're not walking in light, what can you expect from them? Well, you can expect all the things that a worldly person would do, which is, which is, is not walking um, in full trust and, and respect and, and loyalty. It's at the first chance, you know, uh, doing what's best for them at, at the cost of you sometimes. And it's something I think, like I said, for all of us to keep in mind when we're looking at relationships, whether that's friendship or a, a significant other, Um, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Peter and I have talked about this so many times, Peter, haven't we? I mean, not only because of the trust factor, but what are they, are they doing for you? You know, what are they giving you? Are they, are they speaking life? Are they bringing life into your life? Are they dragging you down? Hmm.
1: Um, I don't know. Are they bringing you closer to God or dragging you further away? I think is an even more important question.
0: Right. Because, you know, sometimes it's easy to think like, because we are Christians, we want to shepherd others, and we, you know, we, it's easy to slip into this thing where it's like, well, my friends aren't Christians, but I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of like a ministry for me. Like I'm, I'm trying to lead them over time, hopefully. But all, oftentimes, I think that's just an excuse to hang around them still because there's no effort from growth on their end. So what ultimately, when, what ends up happening is they're just dragging you toward the world more than you're dragging them towards God. Um, and I don't know, Peter, you could tell me your, your opinion on this. Maybe you haven't had this experience, but in my life, You know when i've had to make decisions to move on from friendships that were not bearing fruit that decision to move on sometimes points them toward god because they realize like oh okay you know he was a really good friend he had good character and integrity and maybe there's a reason if he's moving on from me you know it's not necessarily that um hanging around them is the best option all the time i think sometimes that decision to move on is what kind of shows them hmm maybe i should do some introspection here
1: yeah and i think for me it's always been more of a little bit of like a slow or even a quick fade. We're just kind of stop communication with that person. So I don't really get to see what, what their perspective is afterwards. But I think kind of to, to wrap all of this together, the, the most important thing is being in fellowship with God and building that relationship with him. First of all, because if we're in close communication and contact with God, that's going to translate into our relationships with both non-Christians and with Christians, you know, with, with non-Christians, our focus and mindset will be on ministering and witnessing to them. And then with other Christians, it'll be this, like, I mean, it's almost something that, like, I see with, with you and myself, Joe, this, like, I know. I almost like know what you're thinking in a sense, even if I don't outright like. I, not, not like I can straight up read your mind, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about. How we Peter, just have those. I need moments. you to read my mind
0: right now, live on the podcast. <laughs> you can't make a claim like that and not back it up. Let's go. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I did say that I can't do that, but I, I I think what you're thinking about is how our relationship with God is what's most important, rather than even focusing on relationships with others. Um, but that might be my own thoughts. So. Oh. <laughs>
0: I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick shout out here and this is shout out to Joel, Joel Pugh. Uh, okay. I feel like he's going to be a future guest in the podcast, maybe in the near future. I don't know, but something he was saying was, uh, you know, what we, what we magnify is going to get bigger, right? Hmm. As people, as human beings, we all have our shortcomings. We have fears, we have, you know, maybe some trauma from, from our childhood or, or previous experiences, you know, betrayals with friendships, relationships, Whatever that is for us, we all have those things that, you know, that need to be worked out and and prayed and given to God. But what we do magnify does become bigger. And if we're constantly focusing on those things and and these, and these, whatever it is, you know, um, past experiences or or fears or failures, maybe some people, you know, people, a lot of people struggle with the fear of failure. You know, they don't want to start do something on their own. Uh, Peter, something you and I can both relate to with, with your all sports talk and with, you know, uncommon sense. And now Publius for me is, you know, when we take these leaps of faith and and do these projects on our own, it can, it can be scary because, um, sometimes you, you know, people are not as supportive as you would have thought. Right. Mm. And, um, it takes a lot of belief in yourself to do these things and you have to overcome that fear of failure. But whether, whatever that fear is, you know, if we magnify our fears and just, you know, sin and negativity, then it's going to become bigger in our lives and we're going to focus on it more. But if we're focusing on God, kind of like you were just saying, um, if we're focusing on what's good and upright and kind of that that passage about, um, fruit of the spirit and, um, what comes from it. If we focus on those good things, then, really there's not much space for the enemy to come in and work and use those fears against us. So I think it's, it's important for us to focus on those things. And I also think that'd be a good way to bring this story full circle, uh, to read the end of this six, uh, judges 16 passage here, Peter.
1: Yeah. And just, just to preface it, we'll be picking back up, I think in verse 28, um, you know, Samson's being mocked here and that sometimes is how it can feel for us when, when we do mess up, whether it's, other human beings even pointing the finger at, finger at us You know, it could be Even cr- people who claim to be Christians Who are judgmental Or it could even just be our own self-doubt That comes from the attacks of the devil And guilt rather than conviction And that's that. Honestly, that those two, two words alone Just diving into the difference between the two Could be an entire episode But when you mess up You shouldn't feel guilty in the sense that you're beating yourself down but you should feel convicted that's something that you've said I think Joe before that's that stuck with me um, because conviction is like knowing that you messed up but it's not like oh I'm worthless because I did this it's it's looking at it more like this is something that I need to correct and that I can correct with God's power and so again if if you are caught up in that sin, and, and you feel like you can't get out of it, and you feel like you're in a hole here. I mean, Samson had had, had all of his strength leave him. He literally had his eyes gouged out, but he could still hear the, the people mocking him and saying, look how look how far you've fallen. But here we pick up in verse 28. He comes back to God. That's what's most important here. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brother and his father's fa- whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshteal, in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for twenty years. Hmm.
0: It's kind of a solemn picture there. Um, Definitely, yeah. It reminds me of like the ending of the Dark Knight movies. You know, Sheesh. when when Batman is, um, kind of everybody thinks he's dead, and then like the statue is revealed for the whole city. You know, uh just like the solemn feeling and respect for uh you know, what's what was once a, a great warrior and leader and he's gone. But I think the way he went out here, uh called to the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Remember me. Please remember me. That hits kinda deep. It's like
1: okay.
0: a prayer of repentance and trust you know and samson i think realizes in that moment his mistakes and um really i think i think his desire there was to even glorify god in that moment to just have had that strength restored just one more time and and kind of to right the wrongs of that mocking that they were doing because ultimately samson was used by the lord previous to that you know um with israel so powerful picture but i you know bringing this all back around whether you have been you know it, whether you've experienced betrayal whether you've experienced shortcomings in your own life or or struggle with sin or whatever the case is and um maybe you're doubting yourself you're doubting your relationship with god um your character you're not defined by your past sin and as we see here you know even samson was redeemed samson was called on the lord and repented and the beauty is that you know samson didn't have the chance to, after this repentance prayer, to, to leave, move forward and live on and, and walk in Christ. But we have that opportunity every day. And, um, you know, the further we prolong that decision, the harder we're going to make it on ourselves, but truly being sold out, sold out for the Lord is something we all need to do in our daily lives. And man, it just brings freedom. It brings peace. Um, and yeah, let us, let us exemplify that final prayer daily. I think we, mm-hmm. we do need to do that. Remember, remember me. Remember the, um, like you said early on, the innocent child-like faith, you know, that we all have when we first come to know the Lord. Remember mm-hmm. us, Lord. I think that's a really good prayer to meditate on.
1: Yeah, and, and I think also it's, it's kind of an, an ironic phrase that discipline brings freedom. You know, that's that's kind of what yeah. my final thought probably would be for this episode is remaining disciplined in in your faith and walking, you know, step by step with God and trusting him. And even though it might feel at times like we have so many rules to follow, that's ultimately kind of, I would say, doubt creeping in from the devil being like, oh, you, you can't follow these rules. You're you're a scumbag human being. You you mess up so many times you're a failure. But God's there to say, no, you're my child, and I'm here with you through that entire journey. And with with discipline, which obviously God can help us with so much more than we can do on our own, we then have freedom. So I think, yeah, discipline brings freedom is what I want to leave everybody listening to this episode with. And by the way, our hearts are changed with Christ.
0: Yep, We mentioned that last episode, I think, but it's not like it's an uphill battle 24-7. Our hearts are changed. Our minds are changed. You know, virtue. I said, like I said, is an effort. It's a habit, though, that we can build. It's kind of okay, like going to the gym. You know, lifting heavy weights over time builds your muscle. It allows you to mm-hmm. um, to strengthen yourself. And the one of the most cra- crazy, crazy, and, and beautiful, and really uh, intricate uh, realities of human nature is that our souls and our our behavior and our desires of our heart can be strengthened and and and. You know kept within those bounds it's like yeah discipline does equal freedom you know if we're if we are disciplined in our our virtue and our habits and our desires of our minds that's why first corinthians 10 i peter i didn't tell you this yet but before our podcast i recorded a quick video for the youtube channel and it was about um or excuse me second corinthians 10 about um taking every thought captive and, and forcing it into obedience to christ you know, the the stronger we become in our relationship with him, the easier that is for us and the stronger we're going to be in our daily lives. And just building that spiritual muscle, you know,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is so important. And and with this episode, you know, surrounding yourself with, with uh, men and women who love the Lord and are, are sold out for him that you can trust and you could, you can place your trust in them um, in a healthy manner. Uh, It's, it's important. It's critical for us to grow. It's, it's critical for us to feel um, a sense of community and, um, just to be fulfilled as human beings. You know, we're social creatures and the reality of that is we need to find social circles that are that are trustworthy and worthy of our uh, our time. So I don't have anything else to add unless you do to sum this all up, but then we can, you know, pray and close out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to pray. I can, I can go ahead right now if you want me to pray first. Sure. Yeah. God, I just want to thank you for another incredible opportunity to share your message with, with everybody listening. I pray that something from this episode and there were a few kind of different themes throughout lord i pray that something stuck with with somebody listening well really with everybody that listens to this episode god i pray that there's one thing at least that they can take with them and say you know what i i I needed to hear that i needed god to tell me that not not for for me and joe to to have the honor but for you lord um you know i pray whether that's Knowing, you know, having discernment in navigating temptations, whether that's sexual sins like what Samson has here, or whether it's you know lying or the little quote unquote white white lies and, and sins that that we have um, that we battle with on a daily basis. I pray that you would strengthen everybody listening to this episode with your spirit of repentance that that can only come from you lord i pray that you would just tone that in each of us and that we would trust in you to help us find the right relationships and trust in you to strengthen those relationships and ultimately do it all for your glory and again lord i just thank you for for this opportunity it's in jesus name i pray
0: Lord, I, I want to add to what Peter said. I want to echo everything he, he prayed and uh, just pray that our listeners, Lord, would have open hearts and minds today. I pray that our, our, our words today would be true and, and sink in um, and pierce uh, pierce the minds and hearts of, of our listeners. I, I pray blessing and protection over everybody listening today and Peter and myself. Um, I pray that you would keep us keep us far from the shortcomings of Samson, Lord. Uh, the lack of insight and wisdom, God, I pray we'd all display wisdom in our lives. I pray that we would we would see, Lord, um, whether, you know, any friendship, Lord, any relationship that has um, these signs, I pray that you'd reveal those signs, Lord. I pray that you would uh, lead our listeners and and Peter and myself, God, to more godly relationships. I pray for community. I pray for friendships that are based in you. Um, I pray that we would sharpen each other, Lord, like iron sharpens iron. And I just pray for just fortitude and strength for all of us, moving forward. Lord, I pray that we'd walk in confidence in who we are. Um, and, and I pray that your word, Lord, would continue to refine us, um, and make us sharp representatives of, of who you are. I pray that we'd proudly and boldly claim the gospel, um, that our lives would be sold out in every single way. I pray to highlight, reveal areas of our lives that need to be improved, um, in our hearts and I, pray, I do pray that we take every thought captive, Lord, all of our listeners. Anything that's that's evil, I, I just speak against that in the name of Jesus. And uh, so grateful for this day. Pray for for life and, and wellness for everybody listening. And uh, just pray that you bless our efforts here at True North, Lord. I pray bear fruit and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank everybody for listening to episode 41. This is episode 41 in the books. If you guys made it this far, uh, make sure you leave a like, rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify, and we will see everybody next week. Peace. Peace.